Today our scripture is Luke 19, beginning with verse 41, about Jesus as He comes entering in toward Jerusalem. As He approached Jerusalem and saw the city, He wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Then he entered the temple area and began driving out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, My house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Hello, Christ Church, and all of our friends joining us today. If you're with us on Facebook, say hello to other friends in the chat. Let us know you're here. If you're on the website, we'd love to hear from you too. Send us a prayer request or a praise report. And of course, you can follow along with my outline on the website or the church app. So, how are you doing today? I hope that you've been able to enjoy the warmer weather this week. I also pray that you're finding strength and encouragement in your relationship with God, in your walk with Jesus, even in the midst of whatever storm you might be going through. That's the amazing thing about God's promises. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And I am with you always, even in the midst of the storm. Today I'm continuing my Lenten message series, Holy Week, focused on those last seven days of Jesus' life. Over these 40 days of Lent, we're encouraged to repent of our sins and, and shortcomings and to reflect upon our spiritual lives. We recognize our need for God, our need for a Savior. And as we journey through Holy Week, that most amazing of weeks when Jesus embraced the horror of the cross and then experienced the glory of the resurrection, we are also asking the questions. What does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus today? How does Jesus' life, death, and resurrection impact my life. Those earliest disciples had been following Jesus for some three years, and they had seen and heard some amazing things, wonderful miracles, profound teaching, large crowds. Often when they were alone with Him, He'd instruct His closest disciples further. And in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, He said this to them, If anyone would come after Me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. They must have heard that and wondered, what does that mean? We hear it and wonder the same thing. What does it mean to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus? Well, they would come to understand more as time went on, particularly as things unfolded during those last few days of Jesus' life. Last Sunday, we looked at the first day of Holy Week, His triumphal entry. 
Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. The people shouted and spread palm branches in front of them as they remembered Zechariah's prophecy when he said this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, daughter of Jerusalem! See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey. The people, remember, were full of excitement about what might happen. Jesus was indicating that He was the long-awaited King, and He had come to establish His kingdom. But, as we saw, things would unfold differently than they thought. Jesus still comes that way today, gentle, righteous, having salvation. But do we recognize Him? Do we understand and want the salvation He brings? Well, that was Sunday. What happened next? In Mark's gospel, after spending the night in Bethany on Monday, Jesus returned to Jerusalem, this time full of emotion. Type emotion in the chat. Approaching Jerusalem as he got to the place from the Mount of Olives, where he could look across the Kidron Valley and see the city, Jesus wept over Jerusalem. In a moment of great emotion, Jesus wept over the city. What was going on? There was great turmoil and anguish in his heart. Jesus knew his Father's love for his covenant people Israel he knew God's promise to bring them salvation and to bless all the nations of the world through them as well. And yet Jesus saw how the people, especially the religious leaders, failed to see the big picture of God's plan. And that broke Jesus' heart. We read in Luke 19.41, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he what? He wept over it. Like so many of the prophets before him, Jesus realized those in power and authority could not see what God was really interested in doing in the hearts and lives of His people. Jesus wept. Jesus still weeps today when we don't see the big picture. Too often we're still caught up in living for ourselves in the kingdom of this world rather than living for Him and others in the kingdom of God. The world is in trouble today. The need in our families, our community, our world is great. But we too often can't see it. We're living in our own world too often blind, unconcerned, indifferent. And it can happen even in a pandemic. Jesus was heartbroken that God's people couldn't see the peace He wanted to bring. Jesus wanted God's covenant people to experience His peace. Peace with God, peace with each other, and peace within. He had come in the role of a suffering servant, as Isaiah the prophet had foretold. He would pay the price. He would make the sacrifice so that forgiveness of sins was possible. But so many of them couldn't see it. Peace with God, peace with one another, and peace within. In Luke 
1942, Jesus, heartbroken, says of his people, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is what? Hidden from your eyes. The living source of God's everlasting peace was among them. Jesus, Messiah, Savior. Yet they couldn't see Him for who He was. They didn't recognize Him for what He could do. You know, that's still true today. There is a peace from on high that God wants to give all people, but we often can't see it or we're not interested. We can be spiritually indifferent or blind to what God is doing. I often wonder how people are responding to God during this pandemic time. We know there's, there is a lot of heartache and pain and difficulty that people are experiencing. Is all of that leading them toward God or away from God? I pray that this is a time when people are seeking and crying out, praying to God for what they need and ultimately for that peace that passes all understanding that only God can give. Jesus wants God's people to know the peace that He can bring in the midst of any storm, especially in a pandemic. I pray it's also a time when you and I are sensitive when we're taking notice and we're looking for ways that we can share our own stories of how God has showed up, of God making Himself known in the midst of our times of struggle and pain. Jesus was full of emotion because He didn't want anyone to miss God's peace, God's salvation, God's kingdom. Notice this, Jesus predicted Jerusalem's eventual destruction because of their spiritual blindness. You might type destruction in the chat. Though He had come to bring salvation, come to bring new life, living water, bread from on high, come to bring the kingdom of God, Jesus knew He ultimately was going to be rejected, even killed. His heart was broken. He must have thought, if you guys keep going this way, self-sufficient, arrogant, proud, pursuing peace by worldly standards, using force or cunning or even violence to win your short-lived peace instead of discovering it God's way, here's the thing, it won't hold, it won't last. Instead, eventually, you'll be destroyed. As he wept over Jerusalem, Jesus said in Luke 19.43, The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone upon another because you did not what? Recognize the time of God's coming to you. You might type, recognize, in the chat. That's exactly what happened in AD 70, only 40 years later. The zealots were using the wrong means to peace, insurrection, and the sword. 
and the religious leaders failed to lead the people any differently, the Romans finally had had enough. They sacked Jerusalem and they completely destroyed the temple. Because of their spiritual blindness, God's people did not recognize the Son of God who came to live among them, Jesus. You know what? We too can experience spiritual blindness. How does it happen? Do you recognize any of these postures? Self-sufficiency. Hey, I don't need anyone's help. Pride. I can get through this. I'll just work at this thing out myself. Indifference. I don't believe I even need God. Have you ever been there? And yet, when the storms of life come, when the tsunami waves of life hit, we are overwhelmed, overcome. We know this pandemic time has been challenging for all of us. It's also been a time of God calling out to people, Seek me. Trust me. Try me. Believe in me. But do we have eyes to see? How do we prevent spiritual blindness? One, admit need. Lord, I need help. Two, believe in Christ. Jesus, I believe who you say you are. Messiah, Savior, Lord. And I trust in what you did for me. Lived, died, and was raised. Third, now I receive your promised Holy Spirit to lead and guide me, comfort and correct me. And fourth, I'm going to follow you. That's how we prevent our own spiritual blindness. Admit, believe, receive, and follow. You might write that in the chat. Admit, believe, receive, follow. Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem. He was heartbroken. They couldn't see what would bring them peace. He was their prince of peace. Well, next, Jesus went to the temple. It represented the dwelling place of God, the place of atonement, the center of forgiveness. But that day, when He arrived, He expressed some more emotion. He got angry. Jesus was upset by those taking advantage of people coming to the temple. The temple represented the dwelling place of God on earth. The temple was the place to go commune with God, to experience His presence, to offer sacrifices for peace, reconciliation, atonement for sin, thanksgiving. People came seeking God. They, they came seeking God, but they found buyers and sellers and merchants seeking prophets. We read this about Jesus in Luke 19.45. Then he entered the temple area and began, what? Driving out those who were selling. You see, Jesus loved seekers, people genuinely pursuing God. He loved them then. He still loves seekers today. People who are hungry, thirsty, broken. People who are seeking direction and healing salvation, truth. Remember this, Jesus doesn't like anything that causes seekers to stumble along the way. The leaders of the people forgot the main purpose of the temple, not to be a marketplace, but instead a place for prayer 
and communion with God. Hey, are there stumbling blocks for, for seekers today? What keeps seekers from finding Jesus today? Sometimes inauthentic, fake Christians. People who say one thing and then live another. That's confusing to seekers. Sometimes carnal or immature Christians. People whose example doesn't reflect the light of Christ well. That too creates questions. Sometimes self-righteous or judgmental Christians. Persons who put on airs and don't let other people see their struggles. Who act holier than thou. Who, who don't admit their own need for help with hurts and habits and hang-ups. These things all keep seekers sometimes from discovering, from finding Jesus. Jesus wants us to be the kind of followers to, that help seekers, not hinder them. So, still upset, Jesus pointed to one of the priest's primary functions, to encourage prayer. You might type prayer in the chat. What were the priests to do? They were intermediaries between God and the people, standing in the gap. They were to help people to be reconciled, to experience peace and forgiveness from God through the sacrificial system, through experiences of prayer and communion with God. The priests, too, had gotten caught up in all of the selling, the, the prophets. They'd gotten caught up in their own personal gain. Jesus confronted them in Luke 19.46. He it is written, he said, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Jesus confronted them. He confronts us too. Get this. In Christ, we are now in the role of priests. We stand in the gap between God and the lost. So here's a question. Are we helping people seeking God or hindering them. We're supposed to help them find the way, the truth, and the life. To help them deal with hurts and habits and hang-ups. To help them experience grace, forgiveness, new life through faith in Christ. What kind of priests are we? Am I helping or hindering? You know, that would be a great question to talk with God about during this Lenten season. Well, Jesus came into Jerusalem to establish His kingdom, a kingdom of righteousness, justice, and peace. It was a kingdom for seekers, for outcasts, for sinners. He would be king, but also the chief priest who would sacrifice himself to make atonement to pay the price for sin and salvation. It's a glorious kingdom. A kingdom vision for all people, for all times. Yet, Jesus' kingdom vision was different from their own. Jesus' kingdom vision was birthed in the heart and mind of God. His kingdom vision unfolded in the writing of the prophets. The principles of His kingdom vision became more specific in Jesus' teaching and preaching. It was apparent Jesus' kingdom vision was much larger than their own. The Jewish leaders had their own kind of box view of God and His purpose, His plan. Jesus' vision was different from that. It was deeper. 
It was broader. It was more expansive. He was calling them to exchange their old box of understanding for a new one. They couldn't do it. So we read in Luke 1947, every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to what? To kill him. It's the age-old question. What do, what are we going to do about Jesus? He comes to establish His kingdom, the kingdom of God. That's why He had come to Jerusalem. But it's an upside-down kingdom. It's not based upon our familiar values and ways. He calls us to life on a whole different plane. And then He claims that He Himself will help us get there if we will trust Him. That's what the rest of Holy Week is all about. Well, some are ready. In fact, you can trust Him today. I hope you will. Others are not ready, preferring still their own self-constructed box of faith, box of understanding, or even box of non-faith. But the question still remains, what are we going to do about Jesus? That's a great question. What about you? Let's pray. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, gracious Lord, we continue to be intrigued by Jesus. He came to Jerusalem to establish His kingdom, but differently than anyone expected. And He got emotional too. He wept for the people of Jerusalem. Because of their blindness, they couldn't recognize Him or the peace that God wanted to give. He became angry at the profiteers at the temple, causing seekers to stumble. Jesus doesn't want seekers to stumble. He wants them to discover the way, the truth, the life. So He cleaned house and He, he pointed to the importance of seeking God through prayer and communing and spending time together. Jesus loves people who are seeking. He wants us to help, to help them, not hinder them. Lord Jesus, continue to help us wrestling with what it means to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow you. In your mighty and precious name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Hey, I hope and pray the message spoke to you today. You know, Jesus was full of emotion early during that holy week. He shed tears for the spiritually blind who didn't have eyes to see. And then He had anger toward anyone or anything causing seekers to stumble or not find God. You know, if you have questions about the message, let me hear from you. If you'd like to visit more about having a new life in Jesus Christ, I'd love to visit with you about that too. Maybe you joined us today and you have prayer requests or praise reports. Send them to us. We want to hear from you. Use the app or go to the website. Are you grateful for God's many blessings in your life? Your generosity is a tangible way to thank God and also impact His kingdom. 
You can use text to give the app. You can go to the website. You can mail in contributions. You know, as we're a little behind beginning the new year, your generosity right now will make a tremendous difference. Thank you. Hey, be sure to take advantage of our discipleship opportunities. Find all the information you need on our website, cumctulsa.com. God bless you today. Remember, Jesus loves seekers, and He wants you and me to help them, not hinder them. Look forward to these upcoming opportunities. For now, what next step can you take to help a seeker get closer to Jesus today? Hey, Brittany. Hey, Lisa. Do you know what Beethoven's favorite fruit is? What is Beethoven's favorite fruit? Banana! <laughs> On Sunday, March 21st, we'd like you to take a hike. As the weather warms, we are headed outside. Take a hike will start at the base of Turkey Mountain at 2 p.m. Grab your friends and let's hike. Parent to Parent is a non-judgmental supportive group that can provide a place for parents to share and learn. Anyone is welcome to join. The next meeting is March 7th at 5.30 p.m. To help with your preparations, we have put together a list of readings for every day of Lent. Contact the church office for your free copy. You can find all of this information on our website, cumctulsa.com. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ United Methodist Church, greetings from Stavropol, South District of Eurasia United Methodist Church. We thank you for your faithful ministry with us in Mission Together. Six years ago, you helped us to buy a car for our ministry with the Romani Gypsy children in Stavropolsky Krai. We called that car Grace. At that time, it was four years old, but it was in good condition. God has used your gift greatly. The car has been helping us to reach Romani families. It became Grace on Wheels. Because the car turned 10 years old, it was time to say goodbye to it and to get a newer car. Dear friends, this is my request to you. God needs to show His grace, love and care for poor children. God's grace needs new wheels. My goal is to reach more families. And I believe that there will be Romani and Russian people we are reaching here in Novotroitske that will be standing before the throne someday because of your giving. Thank you for your readiness to share with us in our work for the Lord. We pray that God will provide for you for being so good to us. Blessings to you and to your families. Love in Christ, yours in Christ, Irina.